So, turn in, turn in Nehemiah, if you will. Nehemiah is some sort of missionary. And we're going to learn some him, from him some traits of a missionary. And what James said is, is very good. You know, I really, I was talking to Linda about this, and I really don't remember us sitting down and saying, okay, how are we going to train up our children to be missionaries? How are we going to do that? What's the plan? And we found out that the plan was to teach our children to love God. Yeah, and to follow Him. And we try to set an example for that, too. And you've heard a saying, it takes a village. I think you've heard that. Well, that can be good or bad. Not every village is good. But a community helps, and our church community helped a lot. KCBT was a great place at that time to bring children to. And Lynn and I, we taught in kindergarten way back, like in the early 80s. And we kept teaching in kindergarten through the 90s. We was in kindergarten through the turn of the century. And we're still in kindergarten. So you have a kindergartner teaching you this morning. So now at our home, we, we do, we do have, uh, we did raise three boys. And they all have a heart for missions, and they're all actually involved in missions in one way or another. James is the most notable because he went to two different countries. Well, he's been to more than two different countries, but he's in El Salvador and in Pakistan. Uh, Paul, he's interested in, he's interested in fishing, you know, but fishing for men too. He reminds me of Peter. Peter got tired of hanging out so he said, I go fishing, and he went fishing. And he also was a fisher of men. Nate, he's, he's in the mission of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I think the thing about our home was, just like James said, it was solid, it was built on a rock. Uh, Lynn and I were all about the word of God and being faithful in the things of God, and, and coming to church, and we had a good church to come to. You know, as I was thinking about this, Linda actually, mom actually spent more time with the children. And that's probably true with any of you that are moms, or any of you that are married, you know. Like, I'd go off to work eight, to 10 hours a day. But the man has, has to be strong in the home when he's there. You know, in Titus, the Bible says that women are trained up to be keepers at home. Dude, man, be a solid man of God and find a solid woman of God. Look, you keep the woman, she'll keep the home. She's a keeper at home, okay? So remember that, and you do your part to be in the Word and be a solid man of God and keep things stable. Let's turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah 
one one. Who's this drink for? Hey, thanks. <laughs> it's a small one, but that's all right. I'm small. God don't make men like me any longer. <laughs> that's not my line. I heard that from another short guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Nehemiah 1.1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. And it came to pass in a month's Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity. Am I bumping something? Okay, which were left of the captivity. They're in the province, are in great, a great affliction. Okay, left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So anyway, Nehemiah was concerned about his people in captivity, or in Jerusalem during the captivity. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left in the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and, and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress... I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of, of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are the servants, thy servants, these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him Moses in the, or mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer, I need, I need to give you a little backstory. 
I was born and raised on a farm. My dad was a dairy farmer, and his dad, and his dad. So he's in a line of dairy farmers. And, if, you know, there's all kinds of missions. Well, every spring about this time, dad had a mission. I'd see him connect the tractor up to the trailer, throw in some tools, and he was going to go fix fence. He was going to make sure the perimeter of our farm was solid, was closed, no breach. Keep it enclosed. Take care of things within the boundary. Feel safe and secure. And this reminded me of that when I read about Nehemiah and the wall that is being built. But that was a mission he had. Of course, you know, there's lots of missions. I remember the moon mission. The moon mission was to the, who's going to be the first man to walk on the moon, you know, the U.S. or Russia. And then uh, Apollo 11 was the first crewed mission, crew, C-R-E-W-E-D. It was by no means too crude. I guess it was kind of crude, but anyway. <laughs> the crewed mission to land on the moon on July 20th, 1969. I remember that. Mission complete, a day of celebration. That was a big mission. I want to mention another one. Another big mission was D-Day, June 6, 1944, when 133,000 troops landed on the beaches of Normandy, France. My dad was a part of the mission. It has been called The Longest Day, as was the title of a, of a uh, movie made for that, The Longest Day. That was a big day, and there was a rewarding day after that. After the mission, there's rewards. You know, there was a reward of landing on the moon. There's a reward of the war being over. And ladies and gentlemen, when we finish our mission, there's a day of rewards also. There's some characteristics that are similar to missions. You plan for it. You prepare for it. You figure out how to pay for it. And as, as is stated up front, up in the church, pray, prepare, give, go. So these are some of the things that is incorporated in the, in the work of the mission. The first point, the first lesson point is to be involved in a good work. And God's work is a good work. In John 5, 17, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. I learned to work from my father. He taught me to work. I learned a lot from my father. And I imagine Nehemiah learned a lot from his dad, too. Hakaliah. John 10, 37, If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. And John 20, 21, Jesus is sending us as the father sent him. So there is, there is a connection between the work that God has for us and missions. A direct connection. That's what it is. That's what the mission is. That's what the work is. They're the same thing. So, first, who is Nehemiah? Who is Nehemiah? A Levite in captivity, a servant to the king, an Israelite, 
one of God's chosen people, the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Persia, I mean. Okay, now, what does this have to do with raising up a missionary? Well, here's what I'm going to do. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction and right, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. My thought is that the mission is a good work. The mission is a good work. So you can go anywhere in the scripture to learn from God about the mission. And in my Bible reading, in my Bible reading, I happen to be, when James asked if I would bring the message here, I happen to be in Nehemiah. And I thought, or maybe God helped me to think, why should I go anywhere else? Nehemiah's a good missionary. So let's take a look at Nehemiah. Okay, the first mention of good work is actually in Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2.18 is the first mention of it. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So the mission that they were on was a good work. When you go on a mission for the Lord, it's a good work. I mean, it's, it's, it, the Lord wants you there. He wants you doing it. That's what it's all about. In one verse, God tells us who, when, and where. Who is God's chosen man for this time and in this place? It is Nehemiah. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the palace. Okay. Nehemiah, the son of. You know, God, God follows the line the godly line through sons. The son of, the son of, the son of, the son of. You see it a lot. And that's how faith is passed on from generation to generation. Through the sons and daughters. Daughters have a part too. So let me, let me say a little bit here about sons. And the trouble with notes is finding the one you're looking for. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Son of. Okay, why is that important, son of? Well, that's a family line. God is very organized. I don't know if you noticed, but God is very organized. He keeps record of the family line of his children. All through the Bible, you see that he keeps track of everyone. He keeps track of the family line. Many times you'll see the family line follow the son of, like I said, and keeps going, the son of. The sons carry the seed. This is the seed of Abraham that God made a covenant with. God made a covenant with Abraham, and it's followed on down through his seed. So... Like Abraham passed on his faith with his son, Hakaliah passed on his faith with his son, Nehemiah. And 
And by the way, the Bible is about God sending his son to redeem man's sons, the sons of men, or generations, you know. The Son of God, capital S, came to redeem us that we might become sons of God, small s. A son of God, in Hebrews 2.10. First it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, praise God, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, we are the children of Abraham by adoption. We're adopted in Romans 4.16. Abraham, who is a faithful father of us all. The son kinship is important. The sons carry the seed of the children of the family line. But where's the daughters? The daughters carry the children of the seed of the family line. It takes both. It takes both. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Yeah. How's, how's the family line going to be carried on if God, if man is alone? How could we have children alone? How would that happen? A man and a woman need to work together to have children, to extend the family line. And in the mission, in the mission, the man and the woman need to work together for the work that God has to extend the family of God. You need to work together on that. Now, of course, we don't hear about we don't hear about uh, Nehemiah's wife here in this, but that's okay, because this is a mission that Nehemiah himself went on. So, Nehemiah 1.1, we find out that it's the 20th year of the captivity of the people of God, God's timeline through the Bible. It's the 20th year, and it's in Shushan, it's in Shushan, Persia, in the palace. The riches of the, riches of the world are, are shown there. If you go to Esther 1, 2 through 7, it tells about Shushan, the palace. It's a magnificent place. It really is. It, it, I mean, the things of this world can attract us, right? And Nehemiah was there. He was in that place, you know. But he had a heart for the things of God, regardless of the comforts and, the, and everything he had here on earth. He had a heart for the things of God. Lesson, here's a lesson point. Our heart should be with our God and God's people, no matter where we are in our life on earth, our heart should be for God God's people, and we should realize that God is always reaching more people. That's the mission. That's what we're to be a part of. Nehemiah 1, 2 through 11. Let's go to, let's go to verse 5. 
Here's a prayer. Here's a prayer of a godly man. This is an incredible, awesome prayer. Verse 4, we find out that he enters into this, this prayer weeping and mourning for his people, for the people of God. And I wonder how much do we weep and mourn for the lost, for the people of God, even for our own brothers and sisters, and like we've heard, the different troubles we can have and losses and heartaches. How much do we weep and mourn in prayer for our fellow believers? How much do we do that? Verse 5, he knows the God that he is talking to. I mean, he's just not talking to any God. Look, I beseech thee, O God, Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Ah, my brothers and sisters, he's got a hold of God. You know, the one true God, the creator God. I mean, that's who he's praying to. He's not fooling around with just any old God. He's up there in heavenly places. He knows the God that he is talking to. He knows him. He has a relationship with him. Our relationship with God should touch our emotions, should help us realize that we're among people that don't know the one true God. It should help us to witness, to tell people, you know. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Look at the fervency of his prayers, 6 and 7. Let thine ear now be attentive. He's trying to get God's attention, you know. Listen, and thine eyes open. I want you, Lord God, please hear me and see what I'm saying. That thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. Day and night. He doesn't stop praying. He's always praying, instant in prayer. Praying all the time. Praying day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And look, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. He's being quite honest now. He's saying, oh my Lord, you know, I sin. I do. That my people do, we sin against thee. My friends, we sin against God when we sin. And we need to come before him with weeping and, and fervent prayer and ask forgiveness. And one thing that needs to be said is that when we, when we have children, they need to see the honesty of our relationship with God, the, how real it is, you know. I'm not saying we're perfect. I mean, we're not perfect. <laughs> but we can, we can study the Word of God and we can learn from the Word of God and we can learn how to walk in a, in a godly manner. We can, we can learn from God whenever we want to. We, 
we have the word of God. The, the lesson point here is we should be a people of prayer. We should be a people of prayer. In 8 and 9, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place that I have chosen. You know, we keep thinking, okay, God has a promise that he made. He has to keep it. Well, don't you realize that we have our end of the covenant too? Remember the children of Israel? As long as they walked in God's law and God's commandment, they were blessed. But what happened when they didn't? They were scattered among the, the whole earth. As if to say, we don't have to honor God and obey him. Jesus said, don't be just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's the New Testament part of this. In the Old Testament, he said, keep my commandments and I'll bless you. So, so we have to, we have to read the word of God and do the word of God. Obedience is a big thing. It really is. Obedience is huge. Obedience can keep you from going astray. So God is faithful. When you come back to him, when you realize you've gone astray, confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Your children need to see that. They need to see how serious you are with prayer and with being obedient to God. All right. The last sentence in, ver in chapter 1. For I was a king's cupbearer. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that the cupbearer to the king, he has to drink this stuff first. You know, if he falls over dead, then uh, he doesn't serve it to the king. But at any rate, the cupbearer holds a special place in Scripture. The cupbearer holds a special place in Scripture. Remember Pharaoh in Genesis 40? Pharaoh took his chief baker and lifted his head off of his body. But Pharaoh took his chief butler and lifted up his head with his body to a place of honor to deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand. So the cupbearer was saved from total destruction. He was set back in his place. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Now Jesus said, well, look at, look at Psalm 116, 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus took the cup for us. We have the cup of salvation because Jesus took the cup of the wrath of God. The cupbearer is important. Jesus bared the cup for us, and he did die. He did die. I mean, we would die if we had to take of the wrath of God. Jesus did that for us. He, he, died, he died for us. Jesus was our cupbearer. 
Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2 now. And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city of the place of my father's sepulchres lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me to Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, in parentheses, the queen also sitting by him. For how long shall I journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governor beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah, Notice how close the cupbearer is to the king. The cupbearer is close enough to the king that the king can read his face, his feelings, his heart. How close are we to our king? Do you know that our king reads our heart? This is a book about the heart, you know. Yeah. And our king reads our heart. How is he feeling? How is his heart? The king saw he was sad and asked, asked what he could do for him. Man, our God is all ready to, to help us. We need to be honest with our God. He's ready to do for us whatever the request in, in, his, in his name, in his um, line in well, you know what I'm saying the, the king saw he was sad Nehemiah prayed immediately I mean the king said unto me for what dost thou make request so I prayed quickly I mean there was a king asking me so I answered quickly lesson point respect and obey authority so we're we're in a place of authority now. The, Nehemiah is before the king. He's in a place of authority. And before we go on a mission, we need to have the proper authority to go on the mission. And we do. Because Jesus, our king, said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So we do have the power and authority to go. 
and we have a king that's already already to help us. John 14, 13 and 14, John 15, 7, John 15, 16. These are places where you find that, that we do have a king that's always ready to help us. If your request is according to God's will, and you ask in Jesus' name, you've got it. You've got it. If you're in God's will, anything you ask in his name, you've got it. Because it's his will, that's what he wants you to do. Nehemiah asked permission to go on a mission for his people. That's his request. The king wanted to know how long the mission would be. Now, you will notice in parentheses the queen was sitting by him. You notice the queen was sitting by him. I guess it was not good for the man to be alone. The, the queen was sitting by him. Probably she whispered into his ear and asked the question, how long will he be gone? You know, women are family-oriented. This felt like family. So this could be Queen Esther, you understand. This could be Queen Esther. I, I didn't say this is gospel, it's Queen Esther. But verse 1 says the king's name was Artaxerxes, which I learned was more than a, than a title, more of a title than a name, of several Persian kings. It's a title and a name. The king on the throne in the book of Esther is Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, a title, Artaxerxes. So either one is, can be a title or a name of a king of Persia. So this queen here could be Queen Esther and of, the, of the Jewish line. And we have Nehemiah standing there. There's family. There's family there. In this case, Nehemiah and the queen are family. You know how women are about family. Just the way you want them to be. Concerned about family. My wife, the queen of our beehive, had to go to Pakistan to see our newest family member. And Linda was... Not going to get on an airplane for any reason, no how. She was up in this big, huge airplane, sitting there as comfortable as can be with her verses from Isaiah for 13 hours. <laughs> and yeah. So women are about family. And I mean, I'm glad of that. So it pleased the king to send me, it says in verse 6. It pleased the king to send me. So the king decided that, uh, okay, I will please my woman. I will, I will make her happy. I'm going to let this dude go. Things were going good for him. You make, the, you make the woman in the home happy, then you have a happy home. So the king was smart. If it please the king, Nehemiah said in, in a couple of places, seven and eight, I think it is. If it please the king, and that is respect. 
I remember being on jury in, in a court case, and the uh, attorneys would say, if it pleases the court. So they, that's respect. So Nehemiah was being respectful. If, if it pleased the king, he understood authority. So be sure to please the king. Understand authority. We need to live pleasing to our God and our king. Understand the authority of our God and king. It's, it's not matched. Then go. Go on the mission. Take with you whatever is given you. You notice that he made a request that the king would, would help him with some things. And the king did. The king sent a letter and helped him through the travels from where he was in captivity to Judah. He sent a king to help him with that. Now, very soon in your mission, very soon in your mission, you'll meet the enemy. Okay? So, do a work from the Lord. For, do a work for the Lord, and the devil will see, and he will attack you. He will come after you. He will not like it. He will not like it at all. So, understand that when you go on a mission that the devil is probably going to be there to take you down. Verse 9 of chapter 2. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains, captains of armies and horsemen with me. So the king has sent help with him, provisions. Then Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So the people there were getting upset that the men of God, the man of God was coming. So here's another thing. If you do the work of the Lord, you attract the devil, but you need to be strong in the Lord. You need to be strong in the work that he has for you. Don't be afraid of the adversary. Confront him in the name of the God of heaven. 19 and 20, but when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershom the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? So they had, they had their problems with the people there as they went on God's mission. And that can happen. You can run up against problems, against the people that are there when you're trying to do the work. Now what you find is, in chapter 3, they set the work in order and divided up and gave everyone a part. You know, this book reminds me of church planning. I mean, you, you get the place, you try to secure it, you try to build a place to meet, you try to build a congregation, and you do, and you do all these things, and you start setting the work in order. You have people in the congregation to help out in the different parts of the service and different parts of doing the work there. And you, 
that's what was going on here. He's setting things in order. So what you, what you want to do in your home, you want to teach your children order. You want to teach them to work. You want to teach them to be part of what's going on. You want to teach them to be part of the home. What makes a home work? You want to teach them according to your values as far as what you believe in God and how you believe the Word of God. And they need to see that. And you, you need to give them, you need to give them work and, and help them to know how to do the work and finish the work and, and be a, because that helps them out later. That helps them out if they want to go in, on a mission trip or, or the work of the Lord somewhere. You know, don't drop out. Just, oh, I can't. This is too hard. No, just say, no, you can do this. I'm showing you how. I'm teaching you. That's part of training. That's part of training them up. You help them. You show them how to do it. And that works when they're grown up and they're, they're in the work of the Lord. Now, they were mocked, too, in chapter 4, 1 through 6. Look, look at this. But it came to pass when Sambalat heard that they were that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren, the army, well, they mocked the Jews. I'm going to move along here. You know, a few things I learned from my dad. (laughs) I mean, Nehemiah must have learned from his dad, too. Parents, your kids are watching you. No matter what you're trying to teach them, they all, what you try to tell them, they're also watching you. They see what you do. They, they see if you're true to what you're saying. They're really good at that. And for instance, my dad, he was a very good teacher. He taught us to work. And I think that's the reason why I'm, uh, we've been faithful in kindergarten all that time. We just... We, we keep it up. We keep going. But just to prove that you're being watched if you're a dad, I can show you three things that I picked up from my dad. He always carried a pocket knife. For some reason, I always carry, <laughs> I always carry a pocket knife. <laughs> he, he carried a pocket watch. I picked this trait up from my dad. I'm just saying. He never told me, son, you need to carry a pocket watch. And is there men nowadays that carry a handkerchief? (laughs) (laughs) I carry a handkerchief. And, you know, this reminds me of something when, when I'm in the Lord's work. It remind, like I said, there's a day, a day of rewards. And I read in Revelation that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Well, I got, I got to tell you, I hope God has a big handkerchief. How many times have I missed opportunities to witness to people? You go to hell without the Lord, without Jesus as Savior. 
And when I look at my handkerchief, I think about that. God is going to wipe away these tears from our eyes in Judgment Day. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to be sure my children and my grandchildren, two things. One, that they know the Lord Jesus. We pray for them all the time. The other thing is, I'm going to make sure they know that I know Jesus. When they go to my funeral, they won't wonder where I am. <laughs> they listen close, they'll hear me shouting. <laughs> but, uh, and because I went to my dad's funeral not knowing. And that, that was sad for me. I was saved three years, I guess. And in my early attempts, I tried witnessing to him, but I never had that, had that security. But as God would have it later on, my mom was going through his stuff, and there was a little Bible there, and it had the perfect plan of salvation in the front of it. And if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, sign the line on the back. Do you know how fast I went to the back? I went there quick. <laughs> Reginald James Fife. <laughs> so what I'm saying is be true and honest to God. Pass down your inheritance. Give your children, give your children the word of God. Let them know how important it is. Is it really 10:30? Okay. Wrap. <laughs> All right. Um I just want to say that in, if you want to read chapter 8, that is excellent about the Word of God. I mean, that is so like us. They had a pulpit of wood. They got up there. They learned the sense of the Scripture. They studied it really well. And that's what you need to train up your children to, to know how important the Word of God is. Be in it. Every morning, if any of my kids got up early and looked for me, I was sitting at the kitchen table with the Word of God. So, uh, man, it, it, was ju it was just fun to stand here and share with you about a man on a mission. And just, just to let you know, we have the most important mission in the world. And we, we should be all about it. If I may, let me just read you the last thing said in the book of Nehemiah. The last sentence. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Man, be about the Lord's work. There is a day of rewards. God has a book of remembrance. Remember me, O oh God, for good. Thank you. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't carry a handkerchief. <laughs> but, or a pocket watch, or a pocket knife. You didn't learn. Listen, but you got a, you got a, you got a lot of you got a lot of good instruction there, parents. We have a lot of young families in this group. Uh, a lot of us who are bringing up children.
And uh, what I, what I, that last thing that my dad was saying, and I was thinking about this as he was speaking. You know what I know? Every single morning when I woke up, my dad was already up and the, and the word was open. I didn't get a, a pocket watch, but I got that. And that is the, if anything, that's what I took away. And I said, my children will see that I love this book as much as my father loved that book. There was never a moment where I woke up and thought there was anything else that was important in his life other than that book. In the, in the past week or two, there was a day where I slept in. I got up and my son Julian called me out. He goes, Dad, I was up before you today. You weren't reading the Bible. <laughs> Amen. You're right, son. He's seeing it. Man, I'm praying he gets that too. Uh, you want to bring your kids uh, on Saturday. You want your kids to love the mission and, and love God's people like, uh, like Doug was talking about? Bring them Saturday. If you don't teach them to work, you don't teach them to serve God's people, they're never going to love God's people. So give them a, give them a vacuum on Saturday and, and bring them and join with us. All right? Love you guys. We've got to get across the street.